0: Welcome to the Ruby Book Club Podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder
1: of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. Today, we're starting chapter five of 99 Bottles of OOP by Sandy Metz and Katrina Owen, looking at sections 5.1.1 and 5.1.2. These look at separating responsibilities and identifying patterns in code.
0: And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club. And if you're reading along and you're on Twitter, tweet with us and let us know what you think of the book so far. We'd love to hear from you. So Nadia, how did you find the
1: reading this week? Interesting, because in these sections, we go over the code we've got so far and we ask a lot of questions about it. So I enjoyed the exercise of thinking through the answers and then seeing what Sandy and Katrina had to say. And I'm very much looking forward to discussing those with you.
0: I feel like you're much better at that kind of thing than I am because I, I know the answer is a page away and it's so hard for me to just sit and actually do the activity because I really just want to know what the answer is. So I feel like you, you probably got a lot more value out of this and I'm just an impatient
1: child when it comes to reading this book. It's funny you say that because I felt like in previous weeks, you've been very good at saying, now before I turned over, I stopped to think and I was like, oh, I didn't do that at all. I just kept (laughs) reading. So I don't know whether it's the feeling of the actual numbered questions making you feel like, oh, this is is. like a test. I don't want to do it. Yes, I think that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah, whereas before you were in control and so you were like, I'm going to stop and think about this.
0: (laughs) I basically, I just have problems with authority and I don't like a book telling me what to do. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, that's Sandy
1: Katrina. <laughs> How did you find the reading?
0: I thought it was good. I was glad that we were getting back to the, the six-pack problem, right? Because when we finished the refactoring, one thing we noticed at the end of chapter four was, wait a minute, we didn't actually address the six-pack bottle thing that we were, which was the whole reason why we were even going down this refactoring journey. So being able to come back to that was, was really nice.
1: Indeed. Okay, so chapter five, separating responsibilities. It starts by saying, so we've been looking at the flocking rules, and now we're going to get back to the six-pack problem. And there's a mention of a new class getting created. I was like, ooh, what is this going to be? And we're also going to look more about how we model abstractions and look at the problems that come from when we start changing things around and trying to prematurely optimize for performance.
0: Yes. And so we start with 5.1, selecting the target code smell. And so the very first sentence of this I thought was very interesting. We talked about the idea of code being open and closed. And right at the very beginning, we're reminded of what that means. And it says, code should be open for extension and closed for modification. And so when I first read that, I went, oh, yeah, we did talk about that earlier at Mm -hmm. some point. (laughs) Uh, And it made me think, okay, well, where did we end up with our code? Was that open or was it closed? And I had a bit of a hard time judging the solution we came up with and deciding if we had followed that rule or totally failed it.
1: Yes. And so when a bit later on in that section, it says the resulting code is not yet open to the six pack requirement. I was like, what? I just assumed it was. I was like, oh, damn. Mm -hmm. Still got more to go. But this is where I was suddenly thinking, ah, this is interesting. Because... I felt like coming out of the last section, we were sort of like, okay, we're looking at our new code. We were like, not quite sure how we're going to now go onto the six pack thing, but this is, this is interesting. And so coming into this, it's like, oh, the journey maybe is just beginning. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And it was also interesting because I felt like I had to remind myself what it meant to be open and closed. So when we talk about this idea of being open for extension, but closed for modification, My understanding of that is I have my class, it's refactored, we've added, I think it's five new uh, methods based on our flocking rules. And so if I want to have that code also be able to take in that six-pack requirement, I should be able to easily add a new method or add a new line to that class. However, I shouldn't be refactoring and reworking my
1: existing methods. Is that the distinction there? Yes, that's how I understand the open closed principle, this idea of not modifying existing specific bits of code, but being able to easily add new bits of code to the code right. you already have.
0: Right, because ideally, the methods are all capturing the right concepts, and we found the right abstractions, yes. So we should be able to just you know, plug in an additional thing, but not reworking how the yes. system
1: operates. Yes, I think that's exactly it.
0: Okay. So based on that, I think when we think about our six pack requirement, it's pretty clear that there's no place for it. Like there's no, there's no place to stick in six pack and have it make any sense.
1: Yes, you're right. I also highlighted the bit that said the refactoring recipes don't promise to result in code that better expresses the problem. Yes. And I was like, oh, because I That was very upsetting for me. They did. <laughs> I did not like that. I did I not like, like at all. Oh, these recipes are great because as long as I keep doing them, they're always going to help me get to... That was the magic of them, right. I thought. But no.
0: Yeah. And it reminds me of this situation we had. I think it was maybe six months ago.
1: I was working with our
0: Konobi apprentice and we had this... I can't even remember what the problem was. We were doing something with the meetup API to gather events for our uh, our be local meetups and to and put them on our homepage. And I remember we were going through it and we had what can possibly be categorized as our shameless green solution, where it was really explicit, but you know, pretty concise and pretty clear. And I thought, ah, oh, this doesn't look cody enough. And so we did a refactoring, we pulled out some concepts, and I looked at that solution and I thought, this is a much better refactored, you know, pulls out little uh, concepts into individual methods, but it looked just more complicated and more cumbersome. And you mm-hmm. know, at that point, I didn't really have the tools that I have now with the 99 bottles. And I, you know, I, I couldn't quite verbalize the, you know, the pros and cons in terms of, you know, flog scores and things like that. But mm-hmm. I just, I knew that it really wasn't worth all that refactoring. And so when I read that line, it reminded me of that moment where I said, this is prettier. It's Neater, it's more compartmentalized. It's definitely more object oriented, but it's not necessarily better. In fact, I think it may have made it worse, and we ended up doing our version of the shameless green solution instead.
1: Do you think that that code that you refactored represented any of the other solutions that we looked at at the beginning of the book?
0: Mm. Maybe. I don't remember it well enough. Mm. I remember it was definitely a little bit longer than mm-hmm. our shameless screen version. And I remember it had a lot more, like pri- it definitely had a lot more private methods. Mm-hmm. And I remember each method was a lot. It's funny. It's like each method was shorter and had its own little idea. So it was, it was neater. But we looked at it and we both said, this is way more complicated for what we're trying to do. And it just didn't really make sense.
1: So following on from that, there's a bit here where Sandy and Katrina say, the current code, although not open, is improved. So we Mm -hmm. should continue forward in the hopes that more good things will come. Therefore, have faith and iterate. And I highlighted this because I felt like similar to the flog rules point that you made last week about, oh, we didn't really have this proper discussion. And I know that obviously Sandy and Katrina have hinted at the presence of these new abstractions and how they've made the code better, I think it'd still be helpful to have a slightly deeper discussion about how do we know when to proceed and when to fall back, especially in times where we don't have Sandy and Katrina, you know, holding our hands and saying, this is definitely right.
0: Yes. And when it says have faith and iterate, that was also my reaction because it, you know, the the faith and the iteration part is because we, we know because Sandy Katrina told us that this is an almost an intermediary refactoring step it's not the final solution so we're okay with it but if I were doing this exercise on my own I'm not sure if I would know that this is the halfway point or this is the best that I can do therefore it's maybe not good enough yeah but we will follow directions and we will (laughs) have faith and we will iterate So 5.1.1 is called identifying patterns in code. And so here we're asked to look at the entire bottles class and identify things that we see, things we like, things we hate, things we don't understand, and to just start having some opinions on on what's going on. So when you took a look at this and we we did this a little bit last week too when we ended chapter four and we kind of reviewed the solution and we talked about how we felt about it. Looking at it again now, uh, especially knowing this isn't the final refactoring, this is, you know, the intermediary step, how did you feel about it? What stood out to you? So before I run
1: through my list of four things that I wrote down, I want to say that in my notes I also highlighted the word hate and put, hey, Saron, (laughs) this might be your chance to get to something you're happy with because you've been complaining a lot recently about stuff you don't like. (laughs) This is true. It's one of my favorite things. (laughs) So yes, I did what you've been very good at doing recently, which is not turning the page and trying to say, okay, looking at it, what are things that stand out? And I I wrote down four things and then I stopped. So one was lots of interpolation in the verse method.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep.
1: Two was method calls within method calls. And this specifically referred to, for example, line 16 in listing 5.1, where you have quantity, which takes as an argument, a call to the method successor, mm-hmm. which then takes number. Yeah. So that, that I didn't like. I thought this is a lot of chaining there. That doesn't seem quite right. Yeah. Third thing was that I noticed that all of our, you know, the five... Methods that we've extracted out, they all take this argument number and they all have the same pattern. So I feel like there's something more that we can do there and I'm not quite sure what. And then the final thing that I noted down is line 40 in action. We interpolate in the word pronouns. That's the one of our five extracted methods which depends on another one of our five extracted methods. And I wonder mm-hmm. if that was problematic
0: those are pretty good. I like those. Woo. Okay. So for me, I definitely, you know how I feel about the verse method. I don't <laughs> like that method at all. I know. <laughs> I don't like that. It's a lot of, you know, and, and you're right. I didn't really think of it as it's a lot of interpolation, but what bothered me about it is when we have the shameless green solution, I would look at it and I would go, okay, here's clearly a verse that is You know, easy to identify, very obvious. If I'm not familiar with the song, I can figure it out very quickly. And because of all the interpolation and the training and the passing of arguments, I feel like I have to do a lot more work as a first time, um, as a developer coming across this code base for the first time to figure out what the result is going to be. And that bothered me a lot. I did not like that. Uh, Number two we've talked a lot about the shape of the other methods and how they are very similar with the if else conditional for the uh, methods that we came up with from our flocking rules and so I feel like that means something I assume that was kind of Sandy and Katrina's hint. Uh, to us the whole time but i feel Mm -hmm. like that means that there's something we can do there so the fact that it's repetitive and it's the same shape i think is good because it makes it easier to do something um but the the feeling that there is still work that needs to be done is definitely there and i think the the third thing that stood out to me is just that we keep passing the same argument along the whole time yeah for most of it it's just it's number number the whole time yeah As we were working through chapter four and we were building and and pulling out these little methods, I remember thinking, man, we're really using that number thing a lot. And (laughs) you can see it a lot clearer Mm -hmm. when it's all lined up and spelled
1: out here. Okay. So I think between us, we have a nice set of concerns and considerations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did pretty well. So let's see how they stack up in Sandy and Katrina's discussion. So before we get to that, though, they ask us some more specific questions to think about. So... The first one is, do the, do any methods have the same shape? And we've discussed how the five methods that we've abstracted out do. Mm-hmm. They will take the number argument and then they've all got that if-else conditional going on. And that follows into question two, which is, do any methods take an argument of the same name? Mm-hmm. Then we have question three. Do arguments of the same name always mean the same thing? And I spent a couple of minutes thinking about this and I was like, Yeah, I think they're always the current verse number. But something told me that I should probably spend a bit more time thinking about it. And that's not quite right. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth question is, if you were to add the private keyword to this class, where would it go? And so to help me answer that question, I flipped it on its head. I said, well, what should the public interface of this class be? So you want to be able to just call the song, return some verses, and return any given verse. So therefore, all of those abstracted methods that we've made should go under the private keyword. And then the fifth question was, if you're going to break this class into two pieces, where's the dividing line? And I just thought, I was a bit confused by that question, but I thought uh, maybe at the same place as where you put private, but I really was a bit confused as to what that question was getting at.
0: Yeah, yeah, same. When I saw that, I was like, "Mm, I feel like this is a really big hint about what we're about to do,
1: Yeah, but
0: if, (laughs) if but if that question wasn't explicitly asked, I don't think I would ever have thought about that. Uh, number four I thought was interesting with the ad private keyword because as we were reviewing, the the final solution chapter four i remember thinking to myself oh these little methods we made they're like little helper methods like Mm. they're just they're so helpful in (laughs) creating our verse and then i saw and i was like oh yeah obviously they would go under the private keyword so that was a nice reminder that that is uh that's where we put methods that are not supposed to be part of the public uh, you know interface but are supposed to be helping other methods so that was a nice reminder
1: and then we have four further questions for our Flocked Five methods. And I was a big fan of Flocked Five.
0: <laughs> Did you like that name? <laughs> yeah, it
1: reminded me of the Famous Five. Like, I felt like they were superhero methods. Yeah. Anyway. Flocked Five. And I know, by the way, that the Famous Five are not superheroes, in case anyone's listening. I know they're like kids who went around, like, sort of dealing with crime or something.
0: <laughs> but yeah. I have no idea who the Famous Five are, but whatever they are, I'm sure they're awesome because you suggest them.
1: They were. (laughs) Okay. So question six now is, do the tests in the conditionals have anything in common? And I was sort of like, yeah, they check the value of number and then switch on that. Yeah. And then how many branches did the conditionals have? This is something we've discussed a lot. Two.
0: Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of times where the code tried to trick us into adding a third one and we're like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, no. You get mm-hmm. a new method, and we're, we're able to maintain it at the two branches.
1: Indeed. Then, do the methods contain any code other than the conditional? And this is when I was like, maybe this gets at what I was saying when the action method has pronoun in it. And then nine, does each method depend more on the argument that got passed or on the class as a whole? And I was like, huh? Yeah, I did not know what that was talking about. I guess the argument that got passed? Number? I was a bit confused by that question. Yeah. And
0: once we got into uh, a little bit down, we talk about what the solution is, what the problem is, that question then made sense. But in the moment, I wasn't sure what that was referring to. So now that we've answered those questions and thought about them for ourselves, we're going to go to 5.1.2, spotting common qualities. And so here, we basically get the answers to those questions. So the first one is, do any methods have the same shape? And the answer is yes. The whole flocked five have the same shape that we've uh, talked about. And here, we mentioned something that has come up, I think, a few times before called the squint test. And we have a full sidebar that describes what the squint test is. And so if you haven't heard of it, it basically tells you to put the code on your screen to lean back to squint your eyes just so you can see the code, but everything's blurry and you can't actually read it. And what you're looking for is changes in shape and changes in color, which is kind of a funny way to put it because it sounds like the colors and shapes are about to change now that you've squinted, which I don't think is what, <laughs> what that means. Uh, but when you're squinting, you can really pay more attention to the shape and the color uh, and you'll be able to see things that are in common and things that are uh, different. And it's a really great way to be able to to judge the um, the shape of things. So that's the squint
1: test. Did you practice it in, whilst reading the book?
0: I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't.
1: <laughs> Shocking.
0: <laughs> you know, I feel really judged right now, Nadia, okay.
1: Don't <laughs> appreciate that.
0: So it's interesting because we talk about how the shape of the methods and the fact that they're so similar is one of the, I don't know if the side effect is the right word, but one of the results of the flocking rules. Because Sandy and Katrina point out that if we wanted to have a conditional with two branches and express that, we can do that in many different ways that don't necessarily involve an if-else. We can use a ternary, we can do a return if, there's many different ways that we can implement that and still have the same results, but the code would just look different. And the reason why it happens to look the same is because of the flocking rules.
1: I found that bit very interesting, the listing 5.2 with the various conditional forms, Mm -hmm. because I was thinking, yeah, you do come to code bases and there are probably quite a few things that could have been expressed in a similar pattern, but they're not. And so you don't spot the similarities because they all, you know, Mm -hmm. whether you're looking at the verbose conditional or the guard clause or the ternary expression, they're all the same thing. And so, yeah, it's just quite interesting because often not everyone is going to be following flocking rules. Most people won't. And most people are trying to make their code look terser. Like I often don't see people write out conditionals like the verbose format, often because I feel like there's this impression that it's very basic and babyish. So you you see people doing things like the Turner expression, like let's get it on one line sort of thing. Yeah.
0: And they even say it's that the non-essential variation disguises a common shape. And so this idea that there are these differences, they're very legitimate differences, but they're not essential, they're not core, and they can be a big distraction to finding out that common shape that will actually be helpful in our refactoring.
1: They can be superfluous. I like (laughs) saying that word, superfluous. Okay, so question two, do any methods take an argument of the same name? Yes. Six methods take number as an argument, the first method and the flocked five. So, question three
0: asks: Do arguments of the same name always mean the same thing? So, my initial reaction to this was obviously, <laughs> um, and then we actually, <laughs> and then we actually talk about it. And I'm so so happy that this section uh, went really in depth mm. and was really detailed because it definitely pointed out something that I had never thought of, had not crossed my mind until we explicitly talked about it. And it said how. There are really two concepts that we have this idea of something called number and number has been used in six places as an argument. But if we think about what number actually means, sometimes it means the bottle number and other times it means the verse number. And a lot of times the bottle number is based on the verse number. There's obviously a very clear relationship there, which is why we're able to use them interchangeably but it was really interesting because i had not considered I, I just had never noticed that distinction before so if we look at our verse method and that takes in number and verse is the method that does all the interpolation and that calls all of the flocked five methods and so when we look at how numbers actually used it's used in two different ways. One is that it is the actual bottle number, and two is that it's the verse number. And so once that was pointed out, I thought, oh, that can't be good. Uh, And in fact, Katrina and Sandy say, this is rarely a good idea. And so the fact that the verse method is encapsulating these two very different concepts for number, even though technically number is the same word, uh, is definitely something that we need to pay attention to.
1: Right, and they say that if you ever spot this where you've got the same name for the two different concepts, you should do something about it because it's only gonna lead to problems in the future. But the other thing is that there seems to be this sense that this happens in a lot of code bases and that um, most people don't notice it. And so there's probably a lot of pain being had out there but people can't quite put their finger on why and maybe this is it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of concepts two or three different concepts all called the same thing.
0: Yeah and it's it's interesting because in this example they conceptually they mean something different but it's so easy to confuse them because at the end of the day it's they're, they're related to each other right? The number of bottles we're dealing with does directly dictate what the verse is going to be and so the idea of separating them isn't isn't very intuitive but um, I'm really excited to see how we're going to work through that. Me too. So question four asks, if you were to add the private keyword, where would it go? And the answer is after verse and before the flocked five methods, which is, yeah, we got that
1: one right, which is what we talked about. And question five, over to you. So question five is, if you're going to break this class into two pieces, where's the dividing line? And again, same as above, after verse. And so that was the one where I was like, weird question, but I guess it's the same as where you'd make it private. Still not quite sure what that's going to look like and why, what would bring about that split. Particularly because, as you said, they're helper methods for the current thing. Right,
0: exactly. And that's what I found so interesting is those methods that we talked about and putting them in the private section is… they still feel very much a part of the, you know, specifically the verse method is the one I'm, I'm thinking about. And so it definitely felt like a very big step to remove it entirely from the bottles class and to have it just do its own thing entirely. So that was that was definitely not something I, I would have thought of.
1: Okay. And so next week, we're going to look at the next four questions on the flocked methods. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to that too.
0: So in this week's reading, we talked about the squint test. Is that something that you've heard of before this book? Do you use it while you're coding? Is it helpful to you? Tweet us your responses at Club and tell us how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio!